The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911. All right, Craig, thank you. Welcome back to Hometown Radio on this Monday, March 6, 2023. I'm Dave Congleton. We are busy. Uh, still to come on this broadcast, our friends from uh, Central Coast Home Health and Hospice join us during the uh, 5 o'clock hour. Former President Jimmy Carter is entering hospice. What exactly does that mean, and how does hospice work? We will explain to you. Dr. Kathy Karens from Cal Poly at 6 o'clock has written an amazing book called At Home in the World, California Women and the post-war environmental movement, talking about how women since uh, 1945, specifically in California, shaped the environmental movement across the country. Really great book, really great guest. It is the Dave Congleton Show, always your hometown radio talk show. And we have a very important conversation about to begin. Mona Tucker from the YTT Northern Shumash Tribe was here last August. She's back now with an update. Uh, Kyla Detman from the Land Conservancy of Slow County joins us as well, which tells me there's a partnership in the making. Ladies, nice to see you both. Thanks Hello. for coming in. Uh, Mona, why don't we just give people a brief reminder of the YTT Northern Shumash Tribe. Uh, thank you, Dave, and it's a pleasure to be here again. And I'm the tribal chair for the Yaktichutichu Yaktalhini Northern Shumash Tribe, and we commonly refer to it as YTT. It makes it easier Thank for you. everyone. <laughs> and I uh, represent people whose ancestry dates back to this one region for thousands of years, and we're the indigenous people from what we now call San Luis Obispo County and region. And uh, when we heard that Diablo was going to be decommissioned, which was about 2016, that very day we started our plan to reacquire land and protect cultural resources. So since 2016, uh, we've been on a roller coaster ride and things have changed. I bet. Well, it was going to close down and now it looks like it's not going to close down and different things have taken place. But uh, in that process, there was a uh, law that was written since the last time um, I was here called SB 846, which provides, has a lot of details about what should be happening uh, with the Diablo Canyon power plant, but it also goes on to talk about uh, economic development and conservation. And there are funds in uh, SB 846. And so our partnerships, our partners in our partnership came together to write a proposal because this was requested uh, in that legislation. And our partners consist of the Land Conservancy of San Luis Obispo County, uh, Cal Poly, and Breach. Uh, and SBA 46 passed. It's now law. It's law. Okay. Yeah, it, it's passed. It's got some deadlines in it, and one of them is um, um, March 23rd. Uh, at that point in time, uh, Secretary Crowfoot from the California Nat uh, Natural Resources Agency is supposed to make recommendations, and we want our proposal to be the recommendation. All right. Let's slow this down a little bit and, and get caught up here. Kyla, let's remind folks about the Land Conservancy, please. 
Yes, um, the Land Conservancy is our local 501c3 nonprofit land trust. Many of us, uh, many people are familiar with us um, because of the Pismo Preserve, the Octagon Barn Center. We work to protect and preserve lands throughout our county and connect people to them. So, uh, Mona, I was telling you this when you when you came, and this is what I wrote down from the news coverage: uh, that the YTT Shumash want to buy nine thousand acres of land. The, this would be the north and south ranches out there on the Diablo Canyon. Do we have that right? That's correct. All right. For, there are four, that land is divided into four parcels. Uh, well, there's n- numerous parcels, but we refer to them uh, primarily as Wild Cherry Canyon, South Ranch, Parcel Peak, where the power plant is located, and North Ranch. All right. So you want the North and the South Ranch. Yes. But you want to buy it. Yes. You just don't want to give them to you. You're, you're willing to pay for it. Well, no, we'd love it if they'd give it to <laughs> yeah. us. Well, so would I. But. <laughs> we don't no. love that. Yeah. No, no, we don't expect that it'll be uh, granted to us or given to us. We don't expect that that's going to happen. All right. So then how does the Land Conservancy come into this? Well, as you know, Dave, we um, have lots of creative tools for how to protect land here locally. Um, and one of them is to partner with organizations such as YTT to protect and conserve land. So we are here as partners with the tribe to navigate all of the different challenges and complexities around the decommissioning of the plant or not, as well as seeking out funding sources and ensuring the um, permanent protection of those lands. So our primary role, frankly, is to eventually hold the conservation easements over hopefully all of the Diablo Canyon lands, North Ranch, South Ranch, and Wild Cherry Canyon, and even maybe portions of Parcel P if that ever comes to bear, but really to ensure that um, these places are protected forever. And, and we're really excited to have such a willing partner in the tribe to make that happen. So then would the Land Conservancy be responsible or would the YTT Northern Chumash be responsible? YTT would be ultimately responsible in the sense that they would own the land. They would have the rights to access it, to um, do ceremony, to um, welcome people there, to share about their culture and their history and their future. And um, we would essentially be the holders of the easement to ensure that the terms of that easement are upheld um, for generations and uh, to no matter who who is there as, as owners of the tribe in the future to make sure that it essentially stays the way that it is now. In fact, maybe even improves through restoration projects and management of the land. Well, I certainly want to hear more about that. But Mona, obviously the big question, I mentioned this to you previously, is how is this connected to whether or not the plant stays open? Because there was going to close, and now I don't know if it's going to close. It's all very confusing. So the plant can stay open for as long as it... I don't know how long the plan is going to stay open, but forever how long it is, uh, we can be owners immediately. And that is our goal. You know, the time is right right now, and there's some funds that are available in SB 846 so that we, we're trying right now to take advantage of that. Uh, however, uh, what will happen is uh, so long as that plan is open, PG&E is going to have security uh, requirements, and they're going to have access uh, requirements. They got to take care of the road. So we may wait. We just may wait a long time, and that's okay with us. Our main goal is conservation, and that's what we want to see happen. We want this place a thousand years from now to look very much like it does right now. Yeah, comment on that. Yeah, I would just add that um, the timing. I completely agree with Mona. It's that we're in this for the long haul if we have to, or hopefully we can do it sooner than later. Um, it really 
doesn't matter what happens with the plant. Um, essentially, there are 12,000 incredible acres here that deserve to be conserved and protected. And the time is now. You know, part of part of the greater picture here is, I don't know if you've heard of the 30 by 30 initiative. But Remind me, please. The governor, and it's actually a global initiative to protect with willing landowners and partners 30% of the state's lands and waters by 2030. Hmm. And the governor... And our state government and, frankly, um, the entire conservation movement are also pushing towards tribal land back programs, recognizing that we have an opportunity to re- reconnect tribes with their ancestral homelands. And this is an incredible project that fits very neatly and checks all of those boxes. And just to clarify, PG&E currently owns all the land? Well, part of the land is owned by Eureka Energy, which is a subsidiary of PG&E, wholly okay. owned by PG&E. So in a manner of speaking, PG&E controls all of it. I guess what I'm trying to ask is, is PG&E willing to sell this land at this point? Or if they were to stay open, would they want to continue to hold the land? They have expressed publicly that they would, for the to the right buyer, would be willing to potentially transfer the lands prior to decommissioning that all depends on you know of course that that buyer hopefully in this case the tribe and its partners um, would be you know uh, willing to negotiate the proper access easements and everything that um, pg e would need to continue operating the plant safely and effectively all right we got a lot to cover here uh, mona tucker joins us from the ytt northern shumash tribe Kyla Detman, also here from the Land Conservancy of San Luis Obispo County. I'm Dave Congleton. You're listening to Hometown Radio. We'll be right back. You have landed on the Dave Congleton Show, always your hometown radio talk show. We are in conversation with Kyla Detman from the Land Conservancy of San Luis Obispo County and Mona Tucker. She's the chair of the YTT Northern Shumash Tribe. The tribe wants to buy 9,000 acres of land out there by uh, Diablo Canyon. It's, we're talking about the north and the south ranches. But let's do a little geography 101, ladies, as we come back. What, where exactly is this property and what exactly is on the property now? Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and jump in there. Um, you know, it's known by many names, but Diablo Canyon and the Petro Coast are probably the most well-known. But essentially, this is the coastline between Avila Beach and Montaña de Oro. Um, and again, we think of it as North Ranch, South Ranch, and Wild Cherry Canyon, with Parcel P being where the nuclear power plant owned by and operated by PG&E sits about halfway in between. Uh, it's an incredible coastline. You can picture beautiful coastal bluffs, um, grasslands, ancient oak woodland forests, and untouched tide pools. It's really a special spot. Yeah. Um, very pristine in many ways. Of course, it does have a nuclear power plant sitting in the center of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you'd add to that description, Mona? How would you describe it? I'd describe it as spectacular and something that is well worth saving. And that's what we are trying to do. That's what the tribe wants to do is to conserve this for forever. We feel that it's uh, safest in our hands and that uh, the power plant will be whatever it is. That'll be up to PG&E, but we want to preserve as much of this as we can. Now, let's get this out of the way. Come on, just between you and me. You really just want to build a casino, don't you? No, we don't. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) We are so opposed to building a casino, any large development, any kind of resort. uh, You know, we don't want to see 10,000 square foot homes on 100-acre ranchettes. We don't want any of that. And uh, we're very serious when we say we want it to look very much like it looks today, 10,000 years from now, 1,000 years from now, 5,000 years. Pick any number you want. 
you know, we're trying to conserve this place. We we're stewards want, of the land. We're stewards of the land, and we have been for thousands of years, at least 10,000 years. And as uh, most of your listeners may know, we were removed from there. Uh, we weren't paid for it. There was no agreement, no consideration. We were removed from there by the mission system, you know, basically enslaved to build the missions. Then along came the Mexican government, and then they gave it away to their uh, they gave it away via land grants. So it's been private property for, you know, hundreds of years. And although we've been removed from there, our connection, we've never lost our connection. We definitely lost access. You know, somebody locked the gate and they never gave us a key to it. And we want to get back there because there's things that um, are in need of special protection. And we're very capable of doing that. Such as? What needs protection? Sacred sites. Okay. Natural landscapes that are uh, cultural landscapes, sacred sites, ceremonial sites, village sites, uh, known pinpointed village sites, and everything that comes along with a habitation of uh, the same people for over 10,000 years. Uh, this isn't to say that we're going to lock the gate and throw away the key because we think managed public access is an important part of this. So, uh, Kyla, we should also back up a little bit. What's in the actual proposal? What is it that's being proposed? Yeah, so I think it's important to note that SB 846 um, called for a economic development and conservation plan for these lands. And so our partnership, as, as Mona mentioned earlier, came together, Cal Poly, REACH, the Land Conservancy, and YTT Tribe. We came together to put together a proposal to really help the state leadership know that we, our community has done so much work already in, in the last several years not only, um, as Mona mentioned earlier, to conserve these lands, but also to prepare for the eventual closer, closure of Diablo Canyon. And so I think that that's an important element to talk about is that we put forward this proposal um, that includes some really incredible things. First of all, it is the um, return of North Ranch and South Ranch to the tribe, um, including conservation easements held by the Land Conservancy. Mm-hmm. And uh, we can get to the economic development piece in a, in a minute, but I also wanted to point out that Wild Cherry Canyon is a part of our vision as well. But originally we had thought that 12, the full 12,000 acres should be owned by the tribe. But through conversations with the community and um, in really discussions about what should happen with Wild Cherry Canyon, the tribe agreed to walk away from ownership of Wild Cherry Canyon, and instead mm. we're proposing that it be owned by the appropriate public entity, such as state parks, county parks, some kind of um, you know agency that would manage probably broader public access than what we're talking about for North Ranch and South Ranch, mm. and create that long desired trail from Avila Beach to Montaigne de Oro that oh, could go dear. through the Irish Irish Hills, yeah. um, wow. and it would facilitate that. So I think the important point, though, is that Wild Cherry Canyon is still tied up in um, lawsuit in the sense that it, uh, there is a long-term lease held by a developer, um, and they're still, PG&E and that developer are hashing it out in court. So we'll see what the availability of Wild Cherry Canyon Yeah, there be. are those who want to build in Wild Cherry Canyon. Yes. Yeah. So I, you know, I want to pause there for a second, though, and let Mona speak about what it meant for the tribe to walk away from ownership of yeah. Wild Cherry Canyon. I think it's really important to note, though, that we would also, in the proposal, we envision an easement held by the Land Conservancy, as well as a tribal access easement so that they can access Wild Cherry Canyon. Mona, talk about that decision. It had to be difficult. It was a very hard decision. And um, our answer to that originally was, no, we're not walking away from Wild Cherry Canyon. Uh, and 
we did come to the decision to step back, but we're never walking away from Wild Cherry Canyon. We'll always be there. We'll always be part of what happens at Wild Cherry Canyon through whatever process, whoever owns it. And there will be special easements for us so that we can access it at um, certain times that we need to be there. So it was like asking us, in a way, between North Ranch, South Ranch, and Wild Cherry Canyon, which one of your children are you going to leave yeah, behind? a selfie's choice. And we're not leaving Wild Cherry Canyon behind, but we're not pursuing ownership of Wild Cherry Canyon. It's an incredible place. Mm. Where, what, what, and, I'm sorry, what, what exactly, what, which part of all this is Wild Cherry Canyon? Yeah, so um, I know that on the radio people can't see a map, but if you can picture the land that rests between uh, Avila Beach and kind of the entrance to um, Diablo Canyon and to the north, basically, of, of Avila Beach and the piers. Um, it's that wild, kind of more rolling landscape, more appropriate, frankly, for maybe large-scale trail development yes. than um, North Ranch and South Ranch, less constrained, but still incredibly sensitive cultural resources there. But there's a lot of work that's been done in the Irish Hills but, um, between the Nature Conservancy, the Land Conservancy, other organizations where a lot of the lands through the Irish Hills are already protected and could serve as the route for a connecting trail. And I'm sorry, Mona, you were about to say something. I just want to say that Wild Cherry Canyon is really important to us. Uh, we um, stepped back, but we didn't walk away. I want to just make sure that everybody um, understands that. Uh, I also want to say that for North Ranch, South Ranch, Wild Cherry Canyon, the whole place, that uh, not only is it um, full of cultural resources, the natural resources that exist there, the biological resources, you know, the plants, the animals, even uh, all of the ocean, all of the coastline, everything that's there is important to tribal people. I think it's important to a lot of people, but it looms large in our culture to take care of places like that. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, Kyla, what's the uh, connection to REACH and Cal Poly in all this? Yes, well, um, certainly Cal Poly and REACH also share the desire to conserve these lands around the plant. Um, they've also been instrumental. Um, REACH in particular was born out of <laughs> the decommissioning um, news of the Diablo Canyon power plant closing. And so they, um, they've been doing a lot of work convening local leaders, both in um, you know, government and conservation groups, the tribe, Etc. in what should be the future reuse of Parcel P. Now, because of the extension of the plant, that has morphed a little bit. Um, and REACH and Cal Poly and the tribe and land conservancy came together with this proposal that also includes economic development that helps us bridge that gap between now and the eventual closure of Diablo Canyon. So I think everyone knows it will close eventually. It's just a matter of, of when. Um, and didn't, we didn't want to lose momentum on all the community work that had been done to prepare for the closure of the plant and recognizing our region as a, an incredible place for um, renewable energy research and innovation. Um, you know, we certainly have a bit of a tech hub happening here yeah. in Slow County and really trying to seize this opportunity to ensure we are set up for the future when Diablo Canyon does close. And so the proposal includes things like um, the uh, potential co-use of Parcel P and the industrial sites and doing research and um, in starting to build up that capacity for additional industries. Um, and then the Cal Poly Pier investment there um, to for, for aquaculture, renewable energy. The, the pier is actually about to be licensed for a Department of Energy research That's facility. Right. Yeah. So um, investments in that and then expansion of the tech park at Cal Poly. All right. Uh, we are in conversation with Mona Tucker from the YTT Northern Shumash Tribe. 
Kyla Detman is also here from the Land Conservancy of San Luis Obispo County. Off we go. We've got news and traffic and weather. More conversation. We'll invite your thoughts as well. This is Hometown Radio. Tomorrow, we've got uh, Dave Mullinex from the League of California Cities. And get ready, we've got the Templeton High School Ukulele Club coming down. There's like 12 of these ukulele players. The studio is going to be filled with ukulele music. Why not? It is the Dave Congleton Show, always your hometown radio talk show. We are back with Mona Tucker. She is the chair of the YTT, Northern Chumash Tribe. Kyla Detman is also here with the Land Conservancy of San Luis Obispo County. The YTT Northern Chumash Tribe wants to buy 9,000 acres of land, the north and south ranches surrounding Diablo Canyon Nuclear Power Plant. If you want in on this conversation, we welcome your calls, your text messages, whatever. 805-543-8830 would be that number. I want to make sure we explain what's happening on March 23rd and what's the importance of that date. Mona? Kyla? I'll go ahead and take that one. Um Basically, with the legislation that was passed last uh, fall, SB 846, this, that, that was the legislation that essentially directs agencies to work with PG&E towards the extension of the power plant. Um, part of that legislation includes $160 million towards economic development and conservation of the Diablo Canyon lands. And that also required that the Natural Resources Agency, in partnership with other state agencies, submit a plan to the legislature by March 23rd. So our, that's the significance of that date, is that our partnership and our community has come together and shared with those state leaders. They actually came to visit a couple of weeks ago to learn, to, as like a listening tour, to learn what our community wants. And hopefully they will essentially take our proposal and work that into their plan. For Did this have anything to do with Newsom's secret visit to Diablo Canyon? Did he call you, Mona? You know, I missed that call. <laughs> okay. Uh, he was in and out. I don't know what he was up to. Yeah, he was. Uh, Mona, is there a website that we can give out for people to go read more about the proposal and all the background information we're talking about today? Yes, um, excuse me, dot com. Repeat that, please. YTTNorthernChumashTribe.com. Everything you need to know is right there. Now, there's a lot there, and one of the things that uh, we need to add to the website is probably a link to email Senator Laird and Secretary Crowfoot of the California Natural Resources Agency so that uh, local people or whoever's listening to the show who would like to support us you know, can find easy access to send them a letter, an email is, of support. Is Laird, Laird on board with this? Yes, he is on board with the conservation of these lands um, and you know, has put out formal letter to that point um certainly has some questions about exactly how it will be done and everything but yes he's in support yeah. of and the how about assemblywoman uh, addis yes we spoke with uh assemblywoman addis uh, maybe two weeks ago and she seemed receptive to the proposal at that time we didn't have it to hand to her but she's now had time to review it we're receiving a lot of very positive feedback and we've talked to every politician every agency that'll take the time to talk to us. And I did send a video invitation to Governor Newsom to come to Diablo lands and let us show him the things that we hold as very important and sacred. Now, he did, he did come. Um, yeah. 
we did not know about it like everyone else, but I'm very glad that he got he, close. Well, I'm very glad <laughs> that he come comes uh, that he came to see Diablo lands firsthand because unless you do, you just really uh, can't have the same level of appreciation that uh, you see firsthand. I also wanted to tell you that a lot of people say, "Well, why you? You know, why you? Why why your tribe?" And it's because. This is not just our homeland. It is our home. We're directly linked to the villages on the Pecho Coast. Make the case. We have the documentation. It's very clear, and it's in-depth. And uh, a couple of years ago, uh, the Board of Supervisors required PG&E to do a genealogy analysis research on the Pecho Coast. And so they engaged the services of Dr. John Johnson of the Santa Barbara Museum of Natural History, who's a foremost expert on uh, Shumash people, and he wrote a 100-page report. Um, and he also examined uh, from another work that he had done earlier, 12,000 mission records, and it points to my family, and not just me personally, but you know, a large group of people all from the same family tree. So it's it's where we're from. Yeah. It's our home. The people that are buried there are our grandparents' grandparents. So this is one of the reasons why um, we need to have this uh, ownership of this property because we have this huge responsibility that we're born with. And, you know, it's nothing that you turn your back on. And so that's what we want to see happen. On the Stolberg Tatum text line, a question, has there been – any studies of fiscal impact of removing 30% of California's land from tax rolls? Cal- Sacramento admits to a current $26 billion deficit. How will this be made up without busting the remaining taxpayers? I think they're referring to the 30 by 30 initiative, probably. Yeah. 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 So I think an important point is that I think it's at about 24% is already conserved. So we're talking about 6%. Um, I don't want to say more, but 6% of the state's lands and waters. And um, some of that is increasing protections of some lands that um, are already maybe in public ownership, but also working with willing willing landowners. This is not, you know, I want to make sure some people think it's a, a government land grab type of a thing, but it's more working with willing landowners. An important point is that um, you know, land values, as we all know, have gone up a lot. And so uh, we, we talk about how occasionally removing lands off of the tax rolls at their full taxable rate doesn't necessarily have as a significant impact relative to the increase in property values each year that the, you know, counties benefit from when, when the, in the state benefits from. Um, but there's, I could, there's a lot of details there. We probably don't want to spend the whole time talking about it, but I do think what's important is that the benefits of not developing rural lands and conservation lands way out vastly outweigh the impact fiscal impact of those property taxes not being paid in other words if those properties were to stay in public or private ownership and be developed and services were needed to be extended to those places it's a much um, much bigger impact on our state's resources. Second question, second question coming on the Stolberg Tatum text line. Listener wants to know what the price tag is. How much will you be paying for the 9,000 acres of land? Has there a price been established yet? Yeah, so um, we have done an appraisal, full appraisal on Wild Cherry Canyon, and we have gotten brokers' opinions on North Ranch and South Ranch, and the total for all three is about $89 million just for the purchase, the actual acquisition, as far as appraised you know, market value. Um, of course, we would need to negotiate those terms with PG&E when the time comes, but for all three, it's about $89 million, plus some just transaction costs and um, that come with uh, land purchase of that size. So it's about $105 million total for the three properties. And that account, you know, there's potential that it will continue to climb the longer it takes to do this, but that's about, about $100 million. And where does that money come from? 
So the total proposal, actually, that we have for both economic development and conservation is about $330 million. And that includes the purchase of the lands for that 105, about 50 million to set up an endowment to care for these lands. You know, PG&E has a really steady source of income <laughs> to take care of these this vast landscape. So we need to be able to replace that eventually with um, endowments that spin off funds to support it. And then the um, about, about 175 million for the economic development piece. Um, that is, you know, all those investments in um, clean tech and getting businesses and research up and running through Cal Poly. So um, it's a big price tag, but in the grand scheme of things, it's worth it because the benefits to our community will be great. And is it and doable? It is doable. With okay. The $160 million that's in um, SB 846 would fund about half of that. The other half would come from private donors, philanthropists, as well as um, potentially other sources such as um, mitigation funds that are paid through, um, you know, through um, uh, once through cooling for PG&E, as well as um, the cost savings of not taking things out like the breakwater. Um, mm. So that it's complicated, but the overall it's overall it's doable and there are um, philanthropists out there that we know would be willing to help with such a win 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 incredible conservation opportunity so given all that mona is there any known opposition to your plan and what are the consequences if this doesn't go through what might happen to the land what are you concerned about well, I'm concerned about development. We don't want to have that happen on the Pecho Coast. And this is land that people from throughout the world would love to live there. And there's people throughout the world who can buy it. They can write a check today and just yeah. buy it, and we don't want that to happen. It has to stay in indigenous control so that we know that forever it's going to stay conserved. And that's why we have this strong partnership with the, the Land Conservancy, because, uh, you know, I'm not going to live live forever but the conservation easements will these are recorded documents that stay in place and we have to be very careful right now what we do because 10 or 15 20 100 years from now when we look back uh, we want to know that we did everything we possibly could to save this place the pressure for real estate on the coast of california is immense and intense and there's a lot of people who would like to do something different. Yeah, that's why I was asking want. about the opposition. Mm-hmm. You never know what's looking out there. Well, of. no, we don't yeah. know. But we do know that there's people who can buy it and buy it in a minute. And we don't want that to happen. On the Stolberg-Tatum line, it took 40 years for the Los Osos sewer. What is the timeline on this project, considering the Biden administration just gave a billion dollars to keep Diablo open? So the Los Osos sewer project, that that's, it can't compare to what we're thinking about Diablo. That was a huge construction project overall, and this isn't. You know, this is the opposite of that. So we're not envisioning any mass um, construction that took place in Los Osos. So any timeline that we know? Yeah, so the one thing... Funding is an important timeline to consider. So if things move forward as planned, the $160 million available in SB 846, the first $10 million would be available this next year, and the next $150 million would be available the year after. So ideally, we'd be looking at um, you know, being able to use those funds in the next couple of years, matching those up with um, private donors and other sources, um, other grant sources, to be able to acquire the properties within a couple, you know, two to three years if we could. That's probably the fastest timeline. We're willing to stay this out. If it has to roll out for a decade, we will still be here fighting for this. Um, but also what's important to note is 
it's likely to be phased, right? And any any new sustainable managed public access, it will take studies of the property to ensure that you know those the, those are cited in appropriate places to minimize impacts to the natural, you know, to, to nature and to the cultural resources. So it's a it's a long timeline, but I think we can secure the opportunity sooner than later. All right, we are joined in conversation by Mona Tucker. She is the chair of the YTT Northern Chumash Tribe. Kyla Detman is also here from the Land Conservancy of San Luis Obispo County. We'll come back for a final segment on AM 920, FM 96.5 News Talk, KVEC. And don't forget to sign up for the KVEC Daily Update presented by the fine folks at Stolberg and Tatum Law and the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with Hal Swayze. We make you a deal. Go to 920kvc.com, sign up for the KVC Daily Update. Every weekday morning, we shoot you an email. Has Scott Taylor local news headlines, our complete weather forecast, which is what you want this time of year, and our schedule for the day on Hometown Radio, so you'll know in advance who's coming on this show, what time, what the general topic is. Couldn't be any easier to stay connected. Just go to 920kvc.com, sign up for the KVC Daily Update. All right, we're in our final segment with Kyla Detman from the Land Conservancy of Slow County and Mona Tucker. She's the chair of the YTT Northern Chumash Tribe. Chumash want to buy 9,000 acres of land, the North and South Ranch out there by Diablo Canyon. It's an interesting partnership, and they're here to explain what they're doing and how you can get involved. If you have any questions, this would be the time to join in, 805-543-8830. On the Stolberg Tatum text line, Listener wants to know, how about the Board of Supervisors? Do they support this? Yeah, we've uh, spoken to all five of the Board of Supervisors, and uh, I'm encouraged by the response that we've had from them. So I'm feeling good about that. So there are no dark clouds on the horizon. Sounds like this can come together. Well, none that we know of. (laughs) Yeah, but one never knows for sure. I would imagine, though, Kyla, a lot of people just have the question, what about access? Mm-hmm. You're going to spend all this money. You're going to go through all this work. We're not going to get a casino. Yay. But am I going to get access to this? Yeah. So I think it's um, right off the bat important to point out that the beautiful Point Bouchon Trail and then the Petro Coast Trail at the Lighthouse, those will stay in place no matter who, you know, no matter who owns it. Um, PG&E currently runs those trails. Um and so those will remain in place. And then the goal is that once we've acquired the lands, once the tribe has acquired them, we will be able to do more detailed studies of the, the landscape and figure out where additional sustainable managed public access should occur on North and South Ranch. And, the, and all of the constraints that come with that, right? There's safety concerns, obviously, or maybe not so obviously, but um, if the plant is still operating, that really limits the amount of increased public access that could happen on those two properties for the foreseeable future. But Wild Cherry Canyon is a very important piece of that in that it could provide that trail that we talked about connecting um, Avila to Montana de Oro. But again, it will require, just like we did with our Pismo Preserve, it takes time to study the properties to um, put in the infrastructure needed to support public access and go from there. We have Bob and Aurora Grande on KVEC. Hi, Bob. Hi. Hi. Uh, this, this is the last chance that they have to uh, uh, save this land by Diablo Canyon and uh, the beauty. Uh, it should be converted to a national veteran cemetery. 
and uh, this would uh, unite both the East Coast and the West Coast. This would be uh, at an Arlington West. And if you've ever been to Arlington, you know how beautiful it is. I have so, been. Yep, it's quite impressive. Yes, yeah, so, and if the Shumash want to be buried in their ancestral home, they could be buried at this uh, site. Uh, so I think the veterans groups and all veterans and the public ought to get behind this converting the entire Diablo Canyon's site to a national cemetery. It's our last chance to have a national cemetery on the West Coast because we don't have one now, and it's very hard to get in veteran cemeteries. They're all overcrowded. Uh, you know, Bob, I think that's a very noble idea. I'm just wondering where the money is going to come from. Uh, it's the same place that the money's coming from to support Arlington. And I don't know how Arlington's financed. Is that, go- is that government money? Yes. Okay. Any thoughts on this, ladies? I would just like to say that both of my brother, my, both of my brothers are uh, veterans, and I have nephews and nieces that are veterans, uncles, aunts, cousins that are veterans. So um, I admire um, his goal. I don't know that this is the place where that should happen. And if it is to happen, Bob, somebody needs to put a proposal forward, and you need to work it through like the Schumacher are doing. Uh, this is the last chance to preserve this land, and it's the last chance to get a national cemetery on the West Coast, something to unite both the East Coast and the West Coast. I'm glad you called, Bob, but I think you have your work cut out for you. Uh, Wendy on the Stolberg tatum text line. Hi, Wendy. She's reminding us that the website is yttnorthernshumash.org is the website. <laughs> Wendy, thank you for for doing that. You might have to try .org and .com because, quite frankly, we have um, a few extra domains. I think they'll all get you to the right place. But um, I was reminded that not all of the listeners may really understand the history of uh, northern Shumash people in sure. San Luis Obispo County or maybe throughout the state of California but uh, in the 1700s, the missionaries arrived, and along with uh, their arrival, they brought uh, an ideology that was uh, quite different than what our ideology was. And they didn't just come to people who uh, were childlike or uh, unsophisticated. We had a sophisticated uh, system of governance, leadership, spirituality, commerce, uh, art. Uh, we were a very resourceful people. Uh, but along with the missionaries, they brought some hideous diseases and uh, killed a lot of Native people in California, including a lot of uh, people that I'm related to. And then we were taken to the missions to help build missions and uh, farm and raise animals. And the mission system collapsed, and when that happened, then the Spanish gov- the Mexican government came, and it wasn't much better because we had no place to go back to because now it belonged to uh, the the ranchos, uh, the rancho families. Then the uh, California government, which was among the worst in the United States for its treatment of Native people, uh, the first governor put a price on our head so if you could earn a living by decapitating Native people. Let's take some calls. Uh, we've got Chris in Atascadero. Hi, Chris. Hi. Hi. Um, I heard something about a month ago from a full-blooded Selenian Indian. <clears throat> and he said the Selenians hated the Shumash because the Shumash were a bigger tribe, and they tried to take over the Selenian uh, lands, and one of them was Moral Rock. I don't know 
um, where the split was uh, traditionally between the two tribes. And I was wondering if you have any comments on that. I'd like to hear. Is there a short response you have on that? Yeah, um, Morro Rock is in the homeland of the Northern Chumash. That's been well established and documented yeah. by the Native American Heritage Commission. Chris, I'm sorry, we're almost out of time, but I appreciate the call. Let me check in with Alan. Hi, Alan. Hi. Hi. Hey, I just heard a little bit about uh, you mentioned Diablo Canyon, and since there's a very good likelihood that Diablo Canyon will keep running through at least the appeal process to get their license and more than likely will get a new license to run for another 25 years. Is that going to change your plans much? Was it 25 years or five years? Five is the initial. Um, there's, you know, people suspect it might be longer, but five is the first step. And I will say it does not change our plans. No matter what happens with the plant, we will continue to pursue conservation and tribal land back return to the YTT. Alan? That, that, that's fine as long as the elbow can keep running. <laughs> All right. Thank you. It's not one, one, or, one or the other. Right. It's, no. What, it's not going to be our decision about the relicensing of Diablo Canyon. So if it stays operational, we want to own the land. If does that keeping, complicate, if they relicense, does that complicate your job, Mon- no, Mona? No, It um, postpones some of the plans that we have, but we're okay with that because we know that decommissioning at some point in time will take place, but it could be decades. Hmm. The website again, Mona, for more information? <laughs> YTT, Northern Shemash Tribe. And you can try .org or .com. One of those two is going to work. One of them is going to work. Just don't do work. .net. That won't get you anywhere. <laughs> and then uh, March 23rd is like the next challenge, next step. Yep, next step. So we would ask everyone to stay tuned. Um, the state leaders, the state legislature will be looking at that plan, and we might need everyone to mobilize and help explain to Sacramento what we all hope for the future of the Diablo Canyon lands. Phil, can you squeeze a comment in in 30 seconds? Yeah, just one quick one. How does uh, government money equate into uh, QMASH getting that funds to take over a piece of property? It seems kind of like a doesn't seem like it's it seems like a conflict of interest that uh, government right. money or taxpayer money is going to. I, I got thirty seconds. We got the drift, Phil. I'm sorry. I got to I got to cut you off. I'll just say that. Um, Tax dollars, it's been a a priority of California to protect our lands in our state. And um, there's incredible programs that are funded by taxpayers to help conserve properties. And this is just fits right in there um, to protect the heritage and the beauty of our state. So win, 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 win. Exactly. All right, Phil, thank you. Our thanks to uh, Mona Tucker and Kyla Detman for coming in. Ladies, please keep us posted and good luck. I think this is a great idea. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Off we go. We've got news and traffic and Former President Carter has entered hospice. What exactly does that mean? We'll explain up next. I'm Dave Congleton. This is Hometown Radio. The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kbec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911.